If you have a Bible, I encourage you to turn to Romans 1 as you look at this together. We're thinking today about gospel fellowship. The heart of the book of Romans is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And last week in the introduction, we considered the authority of the gospel. It's the very word of God. It comes from God. The heart of the gospel, which is Jesus coming to die in weakness in human flesh, but then being raised from the dead in power, and now this powerful saviour who can act on our behalf, and the gospel obligation to obey the gospel and to share that gospel. Now, the gospel is something that impacted every part of Paul's life, and he desired the same to be true for this church in Rome. And today we come to consider the impact the gospel should have on our fellowship. Fellowship is about Christians coming together to worship, to encourage, and to support each other, to help each other as we serve the Lord together. Why should we come together? Why should we help each other? Why should we love each other? Why should we work together? Now, I think if you ask this question out in the world, the answers you might get could include such things as, well, it's because you like these people, you meet with them, or you enjoy their company, you enjoy the meetings together, or you find it beneficial in order to come to meet and to work together. And I think for many within the church, the reasons for being involved in fellowship are quite similar to those that are mentioned. Fellowship you engage in because you enjoy it, and fellowship you engage in because you know it is helpful, it is good for you. Now, but are those reasons solid foundation enough upon which to build a church fellowship? What if you no longer enjoy coming together? What if some aspects of church life are a struggle? It's never promised to be easy. What if you aren't finding some things particularly beneficial to you? Do you stop? Do you give up on the fellowship and the coming together? The foundation for Christian fellowship, why we come together, needs to be something more than we just enjoy it or we feel we benefit from it. And likewise, what will sustain Christian fellowship has to be more than just enjoying and benefiting ourselves from it. Paul has a great desire, which he expresses in this letter, to go to Rome to share fellowship with the Christians there. And we have much to learn from what Paul says here about fellowship, our attitude to fellowship today, and what our fellowship should be like within our church. And as we think of gospel fellowship, the first thing we see here is the foundation of faith in verses 7 to 8. Now, one of the key reasons why Paul desired fellowship with the Romans was because of how he viewed them, what he saw them as being. And look there at the beginning of verse 7. He says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. So first of all, he speaks of them being loved by God. These people were dear to Paul because, first of all, they were dear to God. 
And as Paul's heart became more and more in tune with the heart of God as he grew and developed as a Christian, that which God loved became more and more what Paul loved in his life. Paul loved the Lord. He loved pleasing the Lord. And he knew that here were a people who were special to God, who were loved by God. They meant so much to God. And that is why they came to mean so much to the Lord. For those of you who are married or have been married, uh, I want to ask you a wee question. Don't worry, you don't have to answer it out loud. But the question is, how do you get on with your in-laws? How do you get on with them? Well, I hope we get on fairly well with our in-laws. And one of the reasons why we hopefully make an effort with our in-laws, certainly at the very beginning, is because our in-laws are the family and are loved by our husband or by our wife. So it's because of how our husband or wife treats these people or thinks of these people, related to these people, that is why we make an effort. And maybe sometimes, now I have very nice in-laws in case any of them are listening to this, but sometimes our in-laws can annoy people. But you make an effort, you stick at it because you know this is important to your husband or wife. And the reason why we love each other in the fellowship, the reason why we don't give up on each other and are patient and are kind and gracious is because these people, they're loved by God. They're dear to God. They're special to him. The second reason he mentions here is called to be saints in verse 7. He says, these people in Rome were called or set apart by God to be holy. That's what the word saints mean, holy ones. They were a people who were different from the world. They were a people who God's plan was that they would grow and grow to be more and more like Jesus. And in a world where most people conform to a pattern of living which is sinful and is opposed to God, Paul is thrilled. Paul is delighted in a people who are willing to be different, who are willing to stand up and instead be devoted to the ways of the Lord. It's such an encouragement in our own faith when we see others who are different for the Lord and prepared to take that stand for the Lord. And so, Paul's attitude was, we're in this together. You're called to be set apart. I'm called to be set apart, to be holy, to be a different type of people. We need each other for this. And then the, the third thing here is the faith proclaimed. We see this actually over in verse 8. He says, first I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. These people had the same faith that, that Paul had, the same trust in Jesus, the same relationship with Christ. And that is why Paul was excited with this. And it wasn't just a, a quiet faith. It was a faith that was so evident, it was spoken about right across the known world at that time. Here were a people who stood for Jesus. Paul had suffered greatly for his faith and he's delighted when others would equally stand for what they believe in Jesus. Why did Paul have a longing to meet with this group of people in, Roman, in Rome? 
most of whom he had never met? Was it because he, he liked them? He never met them. Was it because he would enjoy meeting them? He didn't know that. It was because he knew they were loved by God. He knew they were a people called to be holy, to be different for the Lord. And like him, they were people who had this common faith in Jesus. And that immediately just drew Paul to them. Why should we desire to meet with Christians here on a Sunday or during the week? The answer has to be the same. While as a a group of believers, we're far from perfect. I don't think any of us ever would like to make others think we're perfect. We're far from perfect. But we are called to meet together with this group of very different people, but a people who are loved by God, a people who are called to be holy, and a people who have this faith in Jesus. What a privilege, isn't it? Isn't it wonderful to be able to come to meet with a people who are loved by God, who are called to be holy, who have a faith in Jesus? That's the foundation of fellowship. Not whether we like it or enjoy it or benefit from it. It's a privilege to meet with those who are dear to the Lord. The second thing we then see about fellowship here is the dynamic of prayer in verses 9 to 10. And this is something that's very serious and important for Paul. And so he begins by calling on God to be his witness as to what he did in private here in regards to prayer. He says in verse 9, For God is my witness, whom I serve of my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you. Paul prayed constantly for these believers in Rome. He saw this as a key element to his ministry. Likewise, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he spoke of constantly praying for them, the Christians there. Likewise, the Christians in Ephesus, he spoke of the same thing. Similarly, the Christians in Philippi, the Christians in Colossae, the Christians in Thessalonica, and similarly when writing to individuals like Timothy. Paul had a a life that was immersed in prayer. He put serious time into praying. And one of the results of him constantly praying for these Christians in Rome was this increasing desire to meet with them. He says in verse 10, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Paul's praying for these people drew him closer to them and increased his longing to be among them. One of the the greatest aids to fellowship within a church is regularly praying for the other members. As we bring our brothers and sisters before the throne of grace, there will come into our souls a growing love for each other and a longing to be together. At the end of the book of Romans, as in others of Paul's letters, Paul gives a long and a very long list of people that he sends greetings to. His concern for these people and the the freshness of his knowledge of these people, many of whom he had never met, came from hours 
of praying for these people individually, one by one. Regular and specific praying was key. It was not the occasional prayer God blessed the Romans as he went to bed, but he took time to think about and to pray for specific people who were there. Now, this is something we each need to develop day by day. That's one of the reasons we're encouraged to use the prayer diary and you have an opportunity there to put a believer, a non-believer's name in each every day of the month to specifically pray for people. Make a list of people. Make a list of families you know in the church. People you, you sit among them. Remember every Sunday, add to your wee list people who are sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you. Get that wee list. Praying for these people. By doing this, God will create a dynamic of grace and love within our lives for each other. The more we pray for each other. I'm not saying every day, sit down and pray for every single person you know in Brookside. But divide it over a month. Few people every day. Say you took two families every day to pray for. Over a month, that's 60 families praying for. Can really encourage the elders, the leaders of organizations every day to pray for a few of those people. And what you may find, some of those people who give you much most bother, I say, pray for them. Your love and affection for them will grow. So we have the foundation of faith. We have secondly then the dynamic of prayer. And then we have the encouragement of meeting in verses 11 to 12. And Paul expresses here in verse 11 his purpose for meeting with them. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Now, some have thought the spiritual gift mentioned here by Paul was Paul laying on hands and through the laying on the hands would give new spiritual gifts or new abilities to the different people there. Now, most of the commentators don't think that that is what is being talked about. The spiritual gift which he longed to give to these people was his ministry of the word, his preaching and teaching of scripture. Paul wanted to meet in order to give, to help and to strengthen his fellow believers. So Paul's purpose in, for wanting fellowship was not primarily about him benefiting from it or enjoying it. It was about him giving. It was about him helping other people spiritually. He went to meet with people to give. Now can you imagine what a church fellowship is like where every member came on a Sunday morning, evening, or during the week with a real passion to help and encourage each other. Wouldn't that be wonderful? If you had our attitude is, I'm going to church today, I'm not going to church with an attitude of complaining or moaning, I'm not even going primarily with an attitude of giving, I'm going, how can I encourage people? We once belonged to a church, and I'm not going to give any names of the church, but we once belonged to a church, and there was a lady in it, and oh dear, she complained about everything. 
And Cheriff often ended up sitting beside this lady and cherishes how we game that every time this lady would have something that she complained about, Cheriff would try and think of something positive uh, to her and think to try and encourage her. She was a Christian lady. Good ears of a Christian lady. She needed encouragement, see things more positive. When you meet with people who are very caught up in themselves, their own personal needs, spending a lot of time in their presence can't it be very draining, very demanding? But spending time with those whose agenda is about taking an interest in you, that can be really encouraging and helpful. It's so wonderful when people are really concerned about you. What a blessing that is. Now, of course, if we are part of a fellowship, where everyone who, who comes and everyone who has an attitude of giving and encouraging each other and chooses the words wisely to do that, we will all be blessed, we'll all be encouraged, we will all be receiving. Look at what Paul says in verse 12, that is that we may mutually, we will be, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. This Helping and encouraging each other has to be a two-way street. Even the great apostle, this mighty man of God, probably one of the greatest people in the New Testament after Jesus, he needed and benefited from the blessing of meeting with his brothers and sisters in Christ. And if he needed this, if he needed this fellowship, so do you, so do I. We all need this fellowship. We all need this encouragement, the encouragement of faith. I think one of the great blessings since COVID hit was the blessing of live streaming services and the ability to, to share the messages to many people who otherwise wouldn't be able to come and right across the world. But there is a, a danger of live streaming. And I know there's people who watch and can't be here and I hope you're continuing to benefit from it. But let me say to people maybe who find it easier maybe just to to watch it online, but could be here. Do you not realize that you're missing out on so much? When we had the lockdown, initially the first lockdown, and we weren't allowed to meet together, and you know, as a family, we had a very lovely Sunday, and all my preparation was done, and the, the messages recorded on Thursday evening, so when it came to Sunday, it was the most relaxing Sundays I've ever been for me. And we had a lovely pattern. We got up and dressed and had our breakfast. And then we went to the service, had a walk, watched tuned in another service in the evening. And it was lovely to do that as a family. But I remember that first Sunday back. It was only when we came back that we realized just how much we missed meeting together. And how wonderful it is to be able to talk with God's people, to be one with God's people, to share with God's people. So live streaming is good, but it's no alternative, no real alternative, if you can be here from meeting with God's people, so that you receive the encouragement of fellowship and you give in the fellowship as well. We need God's grace so that we come together we come together with the right attitude 
and that God gives us wisdom in the words we use and how we express our words so we encourage and build each other up rather than discourage and pull each other down. So often we can have negative words. We need to pray before we come together. We need to pray that we would be an encouragement to each other. Come with that right attitude. I think one of the things about the Apostle Paul and one of the secrets to why he would have been such a, an encourager in fellowship is he had received so much from the Lord. He had been fed by the Lord. And the love of Christ was flowing out of his life. And we need to pray that as we come together, the love of Christ is flowing from us to others. One of the important things in helping us to be positive and to be a positive influence to come together is we come with the perspective of faith in Jesus. It's mentioned here in verse 12 by being encouraged by each other's faith. And be aware of this. When we moan, when we complain, even if it's about the weather, if we moan and complain, we are not speaking from the perspective of faith. Now let's be honest, sometimes we go through difficult times and we do need a wee moan. We do need a wee complain that again. But that can't be our ongoing pattern. As believers, we need to regularly to watch what we say and to ask ourselves, are we speaking with a perspective of faith? To encourage each other. We are to be a community of faith. And the real blessing of fellowship is when we look at the problems of the world, as we look at the problems in our lives, but look at these problems through the lens of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, we have to be careful we don't come across as really pious and come across very glibly in the words because when people are hurting, you can't be really glib in the things, but do we come with the perspective of faith? That the words we use will really help and encourage our brothers and sisters. I think sometimes unnecessary critical words can absolutely devastate people. And as people come to church and someone's very critical in what they say, and that's just in a meeting together, it's true, particularly in social media as well and online, you have to be careful with that. Let's encourage each other. Because we have a big world out there that's ready to pull us down, that's against us, that's opposed to us. We need the encouragement of meeting together in faith. And then finally, we have the challenge of fellowship in verse 13. Paul says there, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. Now Paul doesn't elaborate here as to what prevented him from coming to meet with the Roman Christians, but something held him back. Maybe it was the demands of ministry in the areas that he was in, in Turkey and Greece in that area. Or possibly there was this ruling by the Emperor Claudius that all Jews should be expelled from Rome. Remember Priscilla and Aquila, the reason why Paul met them in Corinth Corinth had been expelled from Rome. So there's a five-year period where Jews were banished from Rome. That maybe was stopping Paul and going to see them. Whatever the reason was, something held Paul back from having fellowship. 
And we need to be aware that there will be many things that can prevent us from coming together regularly to be part of the fellowship. To benefit and to contribute to fellowship, many things can get in their way. Some of the things that hold us back from fellowship can be legitimate, we can't avoid, but many of the things that can hold us back from meeting together may not be legitimate, but rather just excuses. We need to be aware it is a biblical requirement to regularly come together and to meet with God's people. Acts 2, the early believers devoted themselves to fellowship. In Hebrews 10 and 25, it says, do not give up meeting together. Meet together, you can spur each other on. It's a biblical command to meet together to encourage each other. But we also need to be aware that the devil will do whatever he can to hinder us from coming together or to get us to come with the wrong attitude. You see, the devil knows better than any of us. He knows the power of God's people coming together for worship, for the study of God's word, for prayer, and to encourage each other. He knows that when God's people are united, they will stand, and when they are divided, they will fall. And he will do whatever he can to keep us away from the fellowship. So do you realize that about church tonight coming to the service in Trinity? That often in many of your lives there's a spiritual battle. The devil is doing whatever he can to keep you and your family from mixing with God's people tonight. And the same of so many other of our meetings in the church. The devil will do whatever he can. Why? Because he knows when God's people come together and are united with each other, united in Christ, we are a force that by God's grace can turn the world upside down. Be encouraged by that and be watchful because the devil will be doing whatever he can either to keep us apart or even when we come together to be divided in our hearts. Let me quickly recap just to remind you of our points today about gospel fellowship. We have the foundation of our common faith together, all loved by the Lord. We have the dynamic of prayer, praying for each other individually will draw us closer together. We have the encouragement of meeting together, how we can all benefit, mutually encourage each other. And then we have the challenge to fellowship, how the devil will do whatever he can to try and disrupt and keep us apart. Don't let the devil have the victory. Let's pray together. <coughs> Father, we want to thank you for your precious word. We want to thank you just how practical this word is today. And Father, we want to thank you for the Brookside family here, for the church family that people watching in or here belong to. Father, we know that our church family is not perfect because we're in it, and none of us are perfect. We do, Father, have our faults and failings. We, we let each other down. We, we say things too rashly. We say things too selfishly. We are too often more caught up in ourselves, Lord. Uh, forgive us for that. Forgive us for how we have said things, done things that, that hurt each other. 
Lord, may we be more sensitive to where people are at. But Father, may we just be fed by Christ. May we be fed by the gospel so that we come together, Father, with a real desire to encourage each other. Not just with being pleasant, but to encourage each other from the perspective of faith, from what we know together about the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, help us, forgive us, unite us. And above all, Lord, we just help us to be what Christ would want us to be. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.